This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Our next guest has a real super fan following, and I'm just talking about here at CKNW, here at work. You should have heard the people yelling at her when she came in today, and there's no surprise about this because... She is writing about women's health in a way that just everybody says, why haven't we had this before? We do have better access to health information than we've ever had before, but women's health, sometimes there are still problems and issues that don't get talked widely enough. And Dr. Jen Gunter has made it her mission to make sure we do talk about those things. She's an obstetrician, a gynecologist, and the author of her latest book, which is called, and I love it, it is The Vagina Bible. And Dr. Gunter joins us now. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Is that the kind of reaction that you get everywhere you go these days? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you guys have given me the most welcome reaction oh, so nice. far. Well, we're number one. Um, <laughs> why did you decide to write this book? Why was it important to you? Well, so I've been debunking women's health myth online for quite a long time, about six years or so. And it just amazed me that it was like this game of whack-a-mole, you know, this debunk one, a new one would come up and then this old one would pop back up again. And I just kept thinking like, how are we still in this state where we have all this information? I mean, every single person is literally walking around with a pocket computer and yet the information can't get from A to B. And so I had spent a day in the office and I had, you know, told women not to use yogurt in their vagina or that they can't change the scent of their vagina with pineapple or that that no, a penis isn't the metric of sexual pleasure for a woman. And, you know, each time this woman would say, how did I not know that? How did I not know that? And at the end of the day, I was like, how did they not know that? And I was sitting in my office and I thought, women need a textbook and I'm going to write it. Was there a moment where you thought, I need to talk more about this? Like, I know you've been very vocal on issues <laughs> like vaginal steaming. Like, why would anybody do that in that vaginal egg thing that was going on right. with goop? And so did you think, oh, all right, I, I'm enough. I have to say something. Yeah. I mean, these myths are, one, they're so ridiculous and the poor information or misinformation or disinformation is harmful, right? Nobody is served when they don't have facts. So there's that aspect of things. But many of these myths are also based on sort of patriarchal ideas that the vagina is dirty or the uterus needs to be cleaned. And so it's really important to sort of set that record straight because those myths have been around since the beginning of time. And I think is there still maybe a level of discomfort when you're constantly saying words like vulva and vagina? People are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think there is, obviously, I'm a gynecologist. I've been in OBGYN for 30 years. So my comfort level saying the word vagina, vulva, clitoris, orgasm is obviously yeah. different. Yeah. But I'd like everybody, like that's part of my vagenda. I want everybody to be able to I'm say sorry, those- did you just say vagenda? Vagenda. How much do I love that? <laughs> <laughs> that's my vagenda. It's for everybody to be able to talk about their bodies in non-sophomoric ways. I mean, if you can't say what hurts and where, you can't get care from your doctor. You can't talk with your girlfriends or your partner about what might you might want uh, you know, to have happen to your body or what's happened to your body. You can't ask for the kind of sex you want. You can't learn about pads and tampons. And, you know, so not talking about something implies that this shame and that's not true. And so do you think women sometimes have had trouble perhaps going to the doctor and really explaining what the problem is? Absolutely. I see that every day. People come in and they say, oh, well, my vagina itches. And what they mean is their vulva. And uh, it's not uncommon that, you know, women, even when they come to the doctor's office, 
get stuck using euphemisms like down there, lady parts, uh, you know, and I'll have to say, do you mean your vagina? And then I'm giving them permission to say it. Like nobody should need permission to say, to talk about their own vagina. You know, you should be able to talk about wherever you want to. It's not a bad word. And have you ever, have you run into any people who push back against that? Um, you know, well, yeah, Jack Dorsey on Twitter. Oh. So, <laughs> so you know, we tried to have promoted tweets for my book, my American publisher, Kensington, and they were banned for, uh, for you know, using prof- you know, profanity. So Wait a minute, because you were just using the descriptions of body parts. Yes. So they tried to do promoted tweets for the book, The Vagina Bible, and they were um, flagged as being inappropriate based on the word vagina, vaginal, and, wait for it, OBGYN. No. Yeah, my whole profession, caring for women, is somehow offensive. And got, you know, so we weren't allowed to have promoted tweets for that. Um, also, though, for the show, um, Gensplaining, the CBC wasn't allowed to, um, uh, they had ads with periods flagged as being, you know, gross and inappropriate and taken off Google. So Google ads did the same thing. Really? Yeah. So there's, you know. And, and yet we run erection ads all the time. Yeah, how many times have people watched football and seen, you know, that, that the ad where the yeah. some dude is throwing a football through a tire or swing and there's, there's nothing phallic about that at all. <laughs> no <laughs> so way. True. So true. Uh, let's run through some of the myths because you, you write about a lot of those. What do you think is are some of the biggest myths that women come to you with? Well, I think one of the biggest myths is that, you know, good sex for a heterosexual woman um, requires penile insertion. You know, that if you don't orgasm with a penis, then there's something wrong with you. And that actually means that you're totally normal. Two thirds of women uh, need direct clitoral stimulation somehow to have an orgasm. And if a penis doesn't do that for you, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Another big myth is that, uh, is that, White cotton underwear is something that will prevent you from getting yeast infections, but that's a purity myth. If white clothes helped you, then dermatologists would tell us all to dress in white, right, to protect our skin. <laughs> that's so but true. But they don't. Yeah. Another big myth that yeah, this comes up all the time is that you can change the way your vagina tastes with pineapple by eating pineapple. Okay, I'm going to admit I've never heard this before. Good. So, <laughs> like, they think by ingesting pineapple that yes. will make a difference? Yeah, so if you eat pineapple, you'll make your vagina taste sweeter. And I'm like, sisters, there's nothing wrong with your vagina to begin with. If a guy thinks that you need to change the way you taste, he's the wrong guy. There's something oh. wrong with him. How does that go over? Um, you know, it goes over pretty well, I think. Um, you know, I you know, I, I don't in the office obviously tell people that, you know, the guy they're with has got some serious problems, but I, um, I do like on uh, when I'm interviewed because there's people listening at home. I mean, I hear women every week in my office having he- heard something horrible said to them about their body by some dude. And, you know, women are very vulnerable to that, especially if you hear it when you're 16 or 17. Uh, and, uh, and so I want to set the record straight. I mean, telling women to eat pineapple to change the scent of their vagina is no different than douching. It's sort of implying that it's dirty and needs to be changed. And why does nobody care about how scrotums smell? True. Good example. Good point. Uh, but you're right. Things do change when it comes to women's health because you're right. That one example right there when it comes to douching, th- there's been a a tremendous change on how we think about that. Yeah. I mean, douching is as harmful. I, I tell people douching is like cigarettes for your vagina. That's basically what it's like. It, in the States, douches have warning labels like cigarettes. They're, uh, they're very harmful. Yet we can't get people to stop doing it because this idea that the vagina is dirty and needs to be cleaned is so pervasive. So what do you tell women then about that? If they do come to you with those kinds of concerns, how do you tell them what the real deal is? So, you know, we do an exam, first of all. So make sure that they don't have a medical condition that could explain their symptoms. And then I tell them 
problem their vagina is normal and that it's a self-cleaning oven. It doesn't need any help at all. <laughs> nice way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Vaginal discharge is actually a glorious adaptive evolutionary mechanism to keep everything healthy. It's like saliva in your mouth. It's really needed and it's it should be, you know, worshipped basically because that's what keeps things clean. Okay, so obviously that's hard for women to sometimes take though, because you're right, they probably think something is wrong. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of years ago, there was a challenge on Instagram where girls were showing their underwear at the end of the day to prove they had no discharge. There was? Yeah. Where, it was called where the underwear challenge. Been, where have I been hiding? Where have I not seen any <laughs> Well, of you stuff? have to understand that my area of social media is probably a bit probably different. Probably different. <laughs> probably different. <than> <laughs> right? Are. And that because of what I do, people send me things. Oh, did you know about this? Did you know about this? So I, I get that a lot, right? Right. So, Nobody sends me that kind of stuff. And please don't. It's yeah. Just please don't. I don't really actually want to see any of that. What do you hope? Like, who do you want to read this book? Do you want young women to read this book? Do you want older women to read this book? I want every woman to read this book. I think you could start reading at the age of 13 or 14. I think if every young girl were vaccinated against those myths with this book, like how great that would be. Uh, I think anybody who's vagina adjacent should read the book, right? Like if you love someone with a vagina, if you have a, a you know a child with a vagina, there's even a chapter in there on, on vaginas and vulvas in transition. Uh, so, you know, I cover all the aspects of vaginal health for um, for trans trans men and trans women as well. So do, are women good at maintaining their health? Like how often should they be seeing a doctor? How often should they be checking in with an OBGYN? Well, a lot of that's age dependent. So if you're under the age of, or if you're 25 and under, then you're going to need regular screening for sexually transmitted infections if you're sexually active. So that's a little bit different. Cervical cancer screening should start at the age of 21. And it's usually about every three years, but guidelines do vary. So, you know, your doctor will tell you. And then obviously, if you have any health concerns, if you're missing periods, if you're getting irregular periods, if you are unhappy with with your method of contraception, if you need contraception, um, you know, any symptoms. But regular check-ins are really just for, you know, pap smears and, um, and sexually transmitted infection screening. Do we need to be better at that? Because I have a feeling like, oh, and I'm totally guilty of this. I think, well, nothing's wrong, so I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm not going to bother the doctor with this. Well, you don't want to miss your regular screening, right? You don't want to miss your yeah. cervical cancer screening. You're not bothering us for cervical cancer screening. We want you to come in for that. So that's not bothering us at all. I do think that a lot of women, because women are fixers and copers, that, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. So you have minor symptoms, you muscle through, and then it's eight months and you don't realize how bad it is. And so, you know, that's why I'm trying to get all this information out there. So maybe women can sort of realize, you know, what maybe is okay to put off to one side because life is busy and what really needs attention right now. Like, for example, if you're having bleeding after sex, don't wait eight months. You need to be seen. It's, you know, it's not a hemorrhage. It's not, I mean, if you're bleeding heavily, you need to be seen right, right. now. But if that's not something to put off. Use your common sense. Yeah. Well, but, you know, your body... you Sometimes a little bit of bleeding can be a sign of a big problem. So again, that's why information is so helpful because then you can help figure it out. But... You should never hesitate about calling your doctor for advice. Your doctor should want to give you advice. And you can always read the book because that'll help you out too. Absolutely. If you need information about the vagina and vulva, I got you covered. You certainly do. The book is called The Vagina Bible, so you can check it out. Actually, you can see Dr. Gunter tonight at Capilano University as part of their speaker series. It's on at 8. Tickets are $12 each. For more information, visit their events page at capilanou.ca. Listen, good luck tonight. Thank you so much. You're going to have to answer a whole bunch of questions just like that that just happened. That's all right. I love it. Okay, good. <laughs>